0: But I also thought, am I going to live by my values or not? I'm I'm teaching this stuff. Do I want integrity? I was like, all right, let's go for a year without flying.
1: This is the Ideas Lab podcast, where you can learn from great creative and entrepreneurial minds how to turn your ideas into original businesses, books, and brands. Because in a crowded world, it pays to stand out. This is your host, John Williams, best-selling author and founder of the Ideas Lab London. I'm in Greenwich Village in New York City today and I'm here to meet Josh Spodek. Josh is a fascinating character. He was formerly an astrophysicist and then became an entrepreneur. And now he's a lecturer in entrepreneurship and leadership at New York University. Josh has achieved a lot of other things. He's a best-selling author. He has a second book coming out this month called Initiative. He's a TEDx speaker, a daily blogger, and he has an award-winning podcast called Leadership and the Environment. Now, aside from all these things, I am fascinated by these daily rituals he has. In fact, he lists them in his email signature where he does things like he blogs every single day, whatever happens, he gets up within one minute of waking up every single day and makes his bed, and he does dozens of burpees, which particularly brutal form of push-up every single day no matter what state he is in and it's these kind of habits that have built him to the point where he can achieve remarkable things so it seems to be a link between them I want to find out as somebody who doesn't have great self-discipline myself I want to find out how he's done that and why they matter and how this adds up into writing successful books and creating successful businesses so I hope you enjoy it Thanks very much for making the time to speak to me, Josh. Which is, um, I've been wanting to talk to you for quite a while, ever since I read your bio, which is absolutely remarkable. And you were an astrophysicist. You've started companies. You teach at, uh, where is it? One of NYU. Mis- NYU, yeah. yeah. Which is like a
0: block of it, yeah. Yeah,
1: and you have the, these incredible daily routines. So many things I want to ask you about. I think you're kind of one of those scanner types that I might explain a little bit later. Um, Everything you've achieved, does this not come down to self-discipline? Or is it something else? Like, I don't really have very much self-discipline. And I'm just wondering, what's the difference between the way you operate and the way most people operate? It allows you to do all these incredible things.
0: When I was a kid, I didn't go to the gym. I would see people going to the gym and they were really muscular. And I would ask myself, or I'd say, I wish I was muscular so I could go to the gym too. <laughs> muscles don't cause going to the gym. Gym causes going to the muscles. It causes building muscles. Yeah. I do not, I was, I grew up watching a lot of TV, eating a lot of junk food. I didn't have discipline. I don't have exercise. I don't do these daily things because I'm disciplined. Right. I'm disciplined because I do these daily things. Like you, okay. to me, it, it took me a long time to realize that. Yeah. and the reason I don't skip days is because if I did it would all fall apart right. it's not I'm super disciplined and it, it, to me and it took me years to get this it's like going to Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime I guess not, mm. uh, probably even now and saying do you go to the gym because you're so, you were born so muscular I'm not <laughs> muscular so I wonder what I would do because I can't go to the gym right but if you want to have discipline or any skill mm. you have to practice it it's not a trait. Like, I have blue eyes. I don't know what you can do. I don't, I don't know what color your eyes are, but I don't know if you can change eye color. Yeah. But discipline is you. You if you practice it, you get it. If you don't practice it, you lose it. And one of the great things about it is that it it just gives everywhere in life. Right. I'm not as
1: disciplined as people think. <laughs> so you you go. It's a remarkable list of things that you do uh, every day, and it includes things like. Uh, getting up and making your bed within one minute of waking up, or something like that. You so know. you kind of get up and immediately make your bed. Like, but you don't, you don't ever hit snooze, I guess.
0: Right. That, yeah, I didn't intend for that to happen. It was, uh, I was teaching a class, and I was um, one of my leadership classes, and not as a formal so- assignment for the class, but I said to everyone, "Try sidcha, self-imposed. Data. You know what it means. Maybe I'll have a link on it. Oh, sid that... oh, Sidcha stands for. Okay, mm. there's habits. Yeah." Well, reading the paper every day is a habit. Mm. Smoking cigarettes is a habit. They don't make your life better. Mm. Uh, They're not appreciable. Like, I brush my teeth every day, but that's not that big of a deal. Like, when you think of the greats, Mm. like Hemingway would write a certain way, and, you know, different people have their habits. And I think it helps achieve greatness. Mm. Well, reading the paper every day, I don't think is, that's not a habit that will achieve greatness. So I wondered what type, what what was the difference between just brushing your teeth versus something significant? And I came up with, I, there's no scientific proof on this. I've not mm-hmm. done any experiments or measured anything, but it feels to me about right, which is self-imposed. So if, if like people go to work, if you're gonna lose your apartment because you mm-hmm. don't go to work, it's not really self-imposed. You have to choose, like a cold shower, yeah. you have to choose to do that. A hot so shower. So that's
1: one of the things you do
0: every day, a cold yeah. shower, you've done for, was it for? No, me? not every day. Oh, uh, okay, right, right. I did it every day for a month, realized yeah. I wanted to keep doing this. So self-imposed, daily now for some things I do it not daily but like you yeah. have to have a fixed time like you yeah. have to not be able to say no part of it part of that makes it much easier actually if you have a choice like if you have a choice am I going to do it or not Yeah. that's death that's say goodbye to that habit you have to right. fix like but the other big thing about that is that if it's fixed then you can't say no and every now and then you have a really horrible day right. and that everything else is training for those days so if there's a day when like dog threw up and the mm. you know the car broke down and you got fired and your girlfriend's leaving you and stuff like that. How many can you do that day? Yeah. That's the number to do. And if you do more than that, then you're you're liable to lose it because on that day you yeah. can't. But the the point is on that day, that's when you find out who you are. That's when you really you peel away everything else and mm. say, am I gonna do this or not? And okay, so self-imposed daily challenging. Yes. So brushing your teeth doesn't really count. Okay. Healthy? So smoking, that rules that out. Yeah. And active, so activity. So I, I include meditation, which is mentally very active, although physically you may be there still, mm. but doing something, not just like reading a book. Some people might call reading a book active. I don't, but okay. if someone wants to, you know, I'm not saying follow my rules, but Sid Child works for me. If you say to yourself, I'm going to go to the gym for two hours, mm. it's like, that's a big hurdle. But if you say, I'm just going to go to the gym at all, most people will often spend two hours there or a more common one is like you want to go running and so you put your running shoes on and eventually there's a pretty high chance you'll go instead of taking them back off again Mm -hmm. so it's kind of trick right so if you set a context where something feels natural you will do that thing so in leadership step by step which is your previous book yeah is It
1: sounds like quite a bit of it is kind of about self-leadership, which I think is a very interesting topic. That's why I think, that's why I kept thinking of when I was reading about all your daily rituals, the way the daily things that you do. It seemed like, well, in fact, everything that you're doing is kind of, if I can do this myself, then that's, I mean, you, I suppose you only want to follow somebody who's got their act together. And so you kind of need to exhibit self-leadership if you want to be a leader, don't you? It's not about telling other people what to do.
0: Well, telling people what to do is, I, I advise against that, okay. depending on your goals. If you yeah. want people to get annoyed at you, yeah. then that's a great <laughs> thing, that, that works very well. Uh, self-leadership is, is necessary, but not sufficient. Yeah. So, I mean, the book has four units. Understand yeah. yourself, lead yourself. So that part's self-leadership. Okay. Understand others, lead others, that's applying what you learn in the first two units to others. So yeah. if you only want to lead yourself, yes, self-leadership. Mm-hmm. But if you want to influence others, so that they want you, so they thank you mm. for leading them. So that they come back and want you to lead them again. Self-leadership is not enough for that. Uh, what are the other things that you've taken on as a habit? I have a five day exercise cycle. So on day one, it's lift weights. Day two, it's a Turkish get up. Day three is rest. Day four is, uh, it's usually, it's cardio, which for the winter has been the rowing machine, but mm. when the weather's nice, I go out and run. Okay. And then day five is rest too. Now I still do the calisthenics morning and evening. They don't. That's not exercise, that's bare minimum for fitness, that's just, but it's also meditative. Mm. Then the cardio is followed by a cold shower, so those fit together. Mm -hmm. I get really hot and sweaty and take a cold shower. Each of them without the other would be a little more difficult, but together they're a little less difficult than both of them together. And is the cold shower about the health benefit because I know it has an effect on
1: on fat mass and stuff? I don't. Or is it really just?
0: Yeah, I don't buy any of the, I I don't (laughs) think you can do a double-blind controlled experiment on like, how do you, yeah, really how do control, like, you're not taking a cold shower? Like, I don't believe any of this stuff. Like, I just did this two day fast, two and a half day fast. Mm. And people are like, oh, human growth hormone. I'm like, the human body is incredibly complex. And yes. someone doing an experiment on one little element, no one knows what they're talking about. Mm. But well, here's what I do know is how I feel. And after I take a cold shower, before I take a cold shower, I'm like, ah, I don't want to do mm. this. And then the rest of life, it's a very valuable skill to develop, to say, I'm going to, when you say I'm going to do something, to do it. Yeah, I want to be someone like that. I want people like that in my life. People say, don't you get bored if it, with it being repetitive? Mm. Which I don't think, I don't know if they say that to like monks who meditate because it's not as repetitive if that's what you're looking at it like that. But um, at the beginning, I thought it was about strength and mm. endurance and it probably was. Then it's about how do I arrange my life to make these things possible as I did more and more because mm. I started with just 10. In my heart, I still feel like my whole exercise routine, all of it in my heart feels like 10 burpees, just right. roughly 90 seconds. And so it's really 15 minutes morning, 15 minutes evening, plus all the kettlebell stuff that I talked about. Mm. But it doesn't feel like that because of the way I've done it. So people from the outside think it's like this big thing, but that's because they're busy watching TV and they think turning the TV off is a big deal. Yeah. To me, what they do is unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah. The time and money that they put into their habits is so greater than mine. Now, you have a podcast, which is about, uh, it's called Leadership in the Environment? And. Leadership in the Environment.
1: Um, which, is, which is an award-winning podcast. Yeah. And you've also taken a stand yourself, and you've decided, I think it was 37 months ago, to uh, stop flying. Yeah. Which... It, and I read a blog post on your site that was was interesting about that because immediately I start thinking, oh no, does that mean I can't get to Bali or I can't, you know, wherever it is, can't come to America very mm-hmm. easily? Um, and you said it's not. I mean, how do you construct it? You said it's not about giving something up, or it doesn't feel like that. Does it feel like a hardship not flying? Well, that's
0: what it's become not a hardship. It's oh, on the contrary, it's one. Look, if if I lived in a world where planes magically flew without using without emitting yeah. carbon gas and, and if we could get oil out of the ground without setting these supply lines and impoverish nations and cause wars and things like that great but I don't live in that world mm. and no one, no one else I know does either and when I was a kid growing up I liked not responsibility and I liked not accountability and as I've grown up responsibility has only improved my life I prefer welcome to New York City yeah noisy <laughs> and I prefer... Look, there are plenty of things that I couldn't do when I was a kid, or didn't want to do when I was a kid, mm. that I have to do now. Paying taxes. Yeah. There are plenty of things that I love to do as a kid that I can't do anymore. But I prefer maturity. Mm. And I can't stop... I, I'm, I refuse to ignore what's coming out the back of the jet.
1: Mm.
0: And no amount of magical thinking makes that go away. And, to, this is just the piece that, I, that got in the New York Times today that I wrote. Not a piece, it was a comment to an article, yeah. so not published. But people see pictures of, I don't know, New Delhi. You've seen the pictures, right? Horrible smog, unlivable, mm-hmm. right? The people of New Delhi, they happen to be in some geographical area where, that, where the smog sticks there. But in actual total numbers, they produce maybe 1,000th the, the greenhouse gas emissions that a, a, a lot of Americans do. Yeah. So they're living in this filth, but they're actually producing like a thousandth that we do. And a lot of it is Americans landing their airplanes there. Yeah. I'm not gonna live in that world anymore. Like, I'm not gonna, I, I live in a world where the flying pollutes. Yeah. And I live, in a, I, I live in, in, in a life where maturity, responsibility, it's, I prefer that. Mm. I prefer, you know, I, I feel like a parent who prefers changing the kid's diapers. I, I've never gotten poo on me, mm. get poo, like, what they do is so much greater, would it, would it, mm. to, to not fly compared to taking on the responsibility of raising a child, mm. for how long are they helpless, 10 years, and how long mm. are they depending on you, 20 years, something like that, yeah. I guess today it seems like 30 years, I don't know, I'm not a parent, but that is like, what I do is nothing compared to them, yeah. and they seem pretty, ha- I, I haven't met a parent who's like, darn, wish I hadn't had that kid.
1: Yeah, true.
0: But the the thing is, people, when you're addicted to heroin, it's pretty tough to imagine life without that high, Mm -hmm. I guess. Mm. I've never done it. But that is the heroin part, not the living without the high. Mm. But we all know, when someone says, I can't get off of heroin, you know they can. Do you believe someone who says, oh, it's impossible?
1: Right,
0: no. That hit is a real joy for them. And if you say that's not real, of course it's real for them. They feel it, it's real. It may come from a different source, some chemical. But you know that they can kick it, and if they do, However much they say to them, the idea of like working for living and Mm -hmm. exercising and eating healthy probably sounds horrible to them, but you know that in the long run, they'll prefer it. Maybe, maybe you think, I don't know, maybe you're a heroin addict. I don't know. No. But probably whatever they say, you know that they're just saying what they feel like the The logic is following the emotion and the emotion which is true of all of us as Mm -hmm. far as I can tell. And so the more it sounds, the more people talking about flying sounds like people talking about heroin. Right. And they'll say it's family and work and they act as if somehow, Josh, you don't understand. I have family and work. I'm like, what world do you think I'm in? Like, I'm in the same world. It was a challenge. Mm-hmm. It's not what you give up. If you're thinking about what you're giving up, you're just like, all you're doing is thinking about your, your heroin fix. If you think about, it's what you replace it with. And there you have to take a, take a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. I did, well... See, I didn't have to take a leap of faith because before the airplane thing, I did the no packaging challenge when I gave myself a challenge to go for a week buying no packaged food. Mm. I made it two and a half weeks. I allowed myself to finish what was in the cupboards. But since then, I've only... I, that At the time, I would throw out my garbage once a week. Then I didn't... I'm not at zero packaging, but it's minimal packaging. And so... Then it was once every other week, then it was once every month, once every six months. So last time I threw out my garbage, it took me 16 months to fill it up. New Yorkers have we'll get this. Yeah. About waste. People just think, you know, I throw it away, I don't have to think about it anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We spend hundreds of millions of dollars just for the fi- the people to pick up the waste and take it away. Not to mention the cost of like per square foot of living here. And a lot of the shared space is covered with garbage. Mm-hmm. I-, I don't mean just like litter, but also like in front of the buildings. People yeah. throw out the garbage. and We have less space. Yeah. And that would be, and not to mention, oh, the, what made me think about was the noise. The noise of the, of the garbage trucks is like one of the great noises in the city.
1: Yeah.
0: And we can make it all go away just by buying less junk. Yeah. And I didn't realize this before. I, that's not what influenced me to mm. do less junk. But suddenly you start realizing all these benefits. So like you say, oh, but I want to see my family and I want to go to Bali and so mm. forth. And you're missing, for a New Yorker, the beauty of the city, the beauty of this, the, what you can get to by train. Or, you know, I took sailing lessons to get off of North America. Mm. And sailing just in the harbor is phenomenal. It's mm. like, it's, it just takes me to another world. And it's so much cheaper than flying. Yeah. And to say nothing of the pollution. The, cho- the choice not to fly led to a couple things. One of the big ones is Francis Hesselbein. Mm-hmm. Is one of my, She's my mentor's mentor, who's become my mentor and friend. Mm-hmm. And she she's won the Presidential Medal of Freedom. She was CEO of the Girl Scouts. Uh, she was also, don't tell her I said this, she was born during World War I. Mm-hmm. And she lived through the Prohibition, she lived through the Depression, she lived through World War II, she lived through Vietnam, she lived mm-hmm. through the hippies and all this stuff. I put to you that she is from as different a culture as almost anyone in the world. Mm-hmm. And if, if I go to Thailand, yeah I'll meet people who are born very far away from here but they Facebook and all that stuff so I am like alright I'm not flying around the world whom can I hang out with how do I get different cultures well how about Francis so I can invite her to a Christmas party and stuff like that where they become friends mm. I wouldn't have had that otherwise then I want to get off the, I want to go to other places other than North America so I took sailing lessons mm. that alone right there is like is huge what it's given me yeah but on top of that I thought, all right, to get to Europe is going to be a big challenge. And a friend mentioned this woman, Dawn Riley. She's been on my podcast. She's won the America's Cup and she's got this place called Oak Cliff, which is where she trains Olympic athletes, Olympic level sailing uh, mm-hmm. athletes. Um, and my friend, a friend mentioned her in passing. I said, oh, can you introduce me? So I met her. Mm-hmm. So I go out there and I see my first Olympic class sailing and I get her on my podcast, an America's Cup winner. That's pretty big. Mm-hmm. and She's connected in ways that are insane. Like the places that, anyway. So then she puts me in touch with an, my an Olympic gold medalist, who I interview on the podcast, my first Olympic gold medalist, who is also a CrossFit Games champion. So CrossFit, I've heard of, but I don't know too much about it. So I go online to research because before doing the podcast, I wanted to research her. And so it turns out that when you compete in the CrossFit Games, you don't know what the event is going to be until you get there. Maybe it's going to be riding a bike. Maybe it's going to be lifting weights. Maybe it's going to be an obstacle course. So in 2018, one of the events that they had was to row a marathon. So to get on a rowing machine, you know, one stroke is like 10 meters. They had to go 26 miles, 42 kilometers. And of course, when they compete, they don't know until like an hour before or three hours, I don't know, maybe the day before. And they got all these rowing machines just like that one set up. And now they're competitors. So they're not going to be like, oh, I'm going to lose. They're like, no problem. So I'm watching them thinking, no problem. And I'm like, can I do that? A lot of middle steps. But I was like, one day I, like, I, set, the, I set it for half a marathon, 10 intervals. So I do a tenth of a marathon. I do half a marathon mm-hmm. with breaks in between. I was like, that wasn't so bad. So a month later, I was like, I go for the full marathon. Again, with break, like two-minute intervals. Mm-hmm. So I did one-fifteenth of a marathon with two-minute breaks in between. That, to me, is like a life achievement. Yeah, that is as great for me in my life mm. as a trip to virtually anywhere. Yeah. But I did in four hours, an hour to spare, and I'd be still under what the average American watches in TV every day. <laughs> and it's a life experience that was no pollution. And I would rather do that than most trips. Mm. Flying, flying is giving me so... I'm sorry, not flying. Yeah. is giving me so much. Now, if someone invents a magical airplane, yeah. I'll probably fly it. Yeah, and the IPCC gives us a limit per year of what you can to keep under two degrees, Mm -hmm. and one flight can keep you under that. I'm I'm now way under it on average. Now my goal is not to just barely pass. Like I want to.
1: So there are personal goal um, limits for uh, for, made by the IPCC. So like if you if you live like this,
0: yeah, I'm way below. right, Right, but to me. The, the, the reason to stop... Okay, the reason to stop packaged food mm-hmm. was because I saw how much garbage I produced, mm. which is something like 100 times more than I do now. Mm. I, have to, I don't know, I can't do the math in my head, but it was like once a week versus once every 16 months. Mm. 52 times, roughly 60 times. I don't know, I can't do it in my head. Yeah. But that's not why I keep doing it I keep doing it because I'm saving money, mm. because it's more convenient, because more friends come over. because like the, Do you know who the last person was who came over for... That I made my famous no packaging vegetable soup for. Mm-hmm. It was a Nobel Peace Prize winner. <laughs> he was over here. Yeah. I could meet in a cafe or in a studio, mm. but now I'm not going to say we're buddies. Mm. That's the kind of person I like to hang out with. And that yeah. happens more, and it's much more intimacy. I like so, that. Yeah. So I keep at it because of that. But okay, save money, save time, more mm. social, most of all, more delicious. Yeah. That's what I what I want more more than anything else from food is I want it to taste delicious and I want to be, I want to feel fulfilled. Yeah, we must talk about your new book, which is called Initiative. Yeah, you explain what it's about. Yeah, I have to contrast it with a few things. Yeah. first because I had to go back and forth with my publisher about having the word uh, entrepreneurship on the title because they were like it's going to sell more, mm-hmm. and. Originally, this is leadership step-by-step based on my course at NYU. Okay, that was the previous book. And then the next book was going to be entrepreneurship step-by-step, also a course that I teach there. Okay, But a couple things happened. One was that whenever I talk to people about entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. most of the time they heard Silicon Valley 20-year-old engineers, uh, they got an idea and they're going for venture backing Mm -hmm. to IPO or Shark Tank. Mm -hmm. And I could not get people off of that. Now, when I started my first company, I was going that way, but it, we grew too fast, and it, wasn't, it didn't work out so well. I mean, there were a whole subs- mm. other reasons why it didn't work out, but when I talked to people in business school, a lot of people said they wanted to start a company, but almost none did. I would ask them, why didn't you start a company? And the number one answer I got was, I don't have an idea. Yes. And when I talk to people who have companies that are successful, I say, is this idea the one you started with, they're like, no that's t- it's not the idea what i came up with was that it's the social and emotional skills to identify raw rudimentary unsatisfactory potential ideas mm. and to develop them into to foster them to grow them into something that will work yeah. and that's you that's that's skills yeah and so as i taught there's all, all the stuff about learning project based, as an educator, to learn project based learning and experiential mm. learning, and it's different techniques in lecture and case study. And, but I was always trying to eat away at this needing less and less and less to start of external stuff and developing more and more and more of a person. Mm. So I developed the courses to develop the social and emotional skills of being able to create projects from scratch, which seasoned entrepreneurs develop eventually. But I never saw a class that did that, and there are tremendous resources out there. Lean Launchpad, for example, I think, mm-hmm. and all the stuff that derives from it, all the cl- virtually all the classes in entrepreneurship at Columbia, NYU, mm-hmm. NSF, National, uh, National Institute for Health, it's all derived from this one place, which is by and for Silicon Valley engineers. Yeah. Great. I love that they have these resources. Mm-hmm. More power to them. I'm not going to try to compete with that, but. The number, the the type of people that have ideas and teams, mm. tend to be people who are researchers, people in STEM. Yeah. And I looked it up in the United States. Six percent of STEM jobs, six percent of American jobs are STEM jobs. Mm-hmm. So if that's a rough measure for how many people tend to have ideas mm. and teams, six percent, call it ten percent, five or ten percent, mm-hmm. something like that. Great resources for them. What about the other ninety percent? Mm-hmm. Actually. Some of this—that's the wrong book. But the uh, lots of if lots of people who were helped by my course would have been and were turned off, turned away from starting, taking initiative, starting something, because of this hurdle that is very effective for weeding out engineers who aren't really it, who are just kind of philandering, yeah. for the ones that are really into it. But for people who could start something great but don't yet aren't yet at the level of an idea, all it did was put a hurdle up, needlessly. Mm. And I'm trying to change that.
1: So this is a question that comes up a lot with people who, who follow what I do and that as I said, I wrote a book Screw Work Break Free, which is on a similar theme. Um, and it was <clears throat> my model was to create uh, an MVP in 30 days. And but also I stressed in there that you don't need a perfect idea. you get the best ideas in motion. So if you choose an idea you want to pursue, then you'll find other ideas. As you're, as you're in progress. And then you can iterate and, and find out where you really want to go. So you could use the book to find out what you want to do with your life, to start a business, uh, pretty much anything. I found it a very hard message to get across, and frankly I got a little bit tired of telling people because they just, they just, it was like explaining quantum physics to a dog. Because when people are in that mode where they're they absolutely convinced but they need an idea before they can start a business or before they can go anywhere in entrepreneurship and you just sit and wait until that comes to them in a flash of inspiration. I find it quite difficult to convince people otherwise. Mm-hmm. So I don't know whether you're, have you found a way of, do people know that they need the book initiative? I suppose thinking as a marketer, do you think people are getting where you're coming from and that they're going to understand why they need it? If they do. I just worry that for my own experience, it can be quite a hard message to get across.
0: Well, two weeks is it's too early to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, before looking at it as a marketer, I look at it as an educator. Yeah. And there's a big, people put up the, sometimes a leap that's too great. A leap may be too great to, to say. Start with even a bad idea and just mm-hmm. go with it. Is too great for most people. Yeah. And the way to go, the way to, the way that I've found to handle big leaps is mm-hmm. to give lots of little baby steps. Hmm. So to say, to say you can do it no matter what, right? There's a lot of that out there. Mm -hmm. That's like saying to someone, go to Carnegie Hall, get get out the piano and play your heart out. And if you have no skills whatsoever, that's no can do anything. Now you could say, all right, take some lessons. Now, even that it might be too much if the person doesn't know where to find a teacher and so forth, Mm -hmm. ultimately you have to get down to, this finger on that key, this finger on that key, this finger on that key, and like that's the mm. C major scale. And you know, this is a piano, this is where the, that key is, and that's how the first lesson begins. Mm. And that's what I did, is to get to the very basic, I, I mm. tried to put, the people will look at the first couple exercises and say this is too easy. Like what kind of thing, what, what are the, f- me, can you give me an example? Well I mean that? the first one is to write a personal essay. The, that's really, I mean, yeah. people have written personal essays before, but it's partly to have them pick a direction because most people, like maybe they want to do something in this area, maybe they want to do something. It, and I want to get them focused on one and get them to realize that if you pick one and the other is the right one, you're actually not going to slow down. Mm-hmm. You, you'll do this, you'll develop some skills and realize, oh, I thought this could have been a contender, but that one, you're going to switch faster and you to look back at the old one with gratitude for having gotten you there faster than trying to think it out. Mm-hmm. And. But and also have people put a list of role models and people that they think of in the the fields that they want to go into, because it's a human. This is human exercises. Yeah, you might make an MVP along the way, Mm -hmm. but you're developing relationships with people. Ultimately, people are buying your stuff, or if if you're going for profit, people are listening to your podcast. Mm -hmm. That's one. You know, that's one of the implementations of initiative in my life is my podcast. It's not a money-making thing. I mean, it gets me speaking gigs, but it's not itself a Mm -hmm. money-making thing. And. Uh, so I want people to have faces. Like you can't say I want the CEO of company X. Mm-hmm. You have to say the name of that person. The next exercise is to come up with, you've picked a direction. Oh, by the way, I have to say, it. I can tell you that if you play a bunch of scales, you'll mm-hmm. develop some skill on the piano, mm-hmm. but that will not develop skills on the piano. And mm-hmm. you know that people play sca- piano scales, so you know that they work. But if you lived in a world where no one played piano scales, mm-hmm. and piano is all taught by like music uh, what do you call it? Music um, appreciation. Mm. Music appreciation is nice, but it doesn't teach you to play. Mm. So, if I describe these exercises, what I've learned is that I, I, if I describe them in detail, it's like trying to describe piano scales to someone who doesn't know them. Yeah, like, yeah. What does it have to do with me expressing myself through my music?
1: Mm.
0: It's experiential. And so, the the exercises, the early exercises, are just specific ways that you can find problems mm. that other people feel or that you feel. in areas that you want to work in and to to get these really, not low level, but rudimentary problems and solutions and then use them as seeds to start getting advice from people. Mm -hmm. Most people get judgment from people. Judgment doesn't help you move forward. Advice does. Judgment makes people look down on you from above. Mm -hmm. Advice makes people feel involved and make them want you to succeed because they'll feel if you succeed because of my advice, it's probably because of me. So if you
1: ask somebody, can you know, can you advise me how to do this? Once they give you that advice,
0: they're kind of invested in a way in you succeeding. Yeah, yeah. And most of the time, you ask advice, they'll still say, "I think it's great, go for it," which is not advice. Mm. I mean, go for it is common advice, but the, I think it's great is judgment. Yeah. And then it makes them this, and then they're like, "Prove it," you know, "you prove it to me," mm. and that's not that's not productive. It doesn't. Most of all. As much as anything else, it's developing relationships with people in the communities that you want to go into. Yeah. Relationships where people see you as a problem solver and they're invested in your in, in your success. And when things don't work out for you, they want you to succeed, so they'll help you. And so all these little exercises, they're building skills, they're building emotional skills, social skills, they're developing a, a team around you of support that is more, more valuable than an MVP, more valuable than uh, a business plan. Now yeah. you'll probably develop those things also, but developing relationships also cost nothing. I mean, a phone call here or there, maybe a video
1: chat. And you've, you've had some remarkable results from people who've done the course at yeah. uh, NYU. What kind of things have they gone on to do?
0: Oh man, I mean, if I want to start at the top, there's Jonathan who, he was a lawyer making six figures, very successful Ivy League degree, and was bored and went to his mentor and said, I'm bored, and the mentor said, take a class at NYU, any class. Hmm. He didn't know who I was, didn't know the class he he didn't know if the class was he didn't know that the class was gonna give him exercises to build something. And did the exercises. Boom, 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 lots of middle steps. Next thing you know, it was being written up in the Wall Street Journal in the Washington Post, in Forbes, uh, funded by Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, funded by Eric Schmidt of Google. Uh, when I was writing the book, he was doing Y Combinator out in Silicon Valley. Wow. Yeah. And now he's back and it was an app that was described by the American Bar Association called it one of the top web things for law in 2018, mm. and he had no if, he, if someone had said to him, mm. if someone had given him lean and said, "Do this," or said, "Try to get on a shark tank," it would have turned him off. Yeah. Instead, he reached the pinnacle of that world, even though that wasn't his initial goal. Mm. But I can tell you he likes what he does. Yeah. And I mean I, I got to be very good friends with him not because I gave him a good grade, I don't remember what grade I gave him, mm-hmm. but because we interact. And actually, you can, if you go to the, the, the webpage for the book, joshuasquodach.com initiative, you'll see a video of him talking. It was actually early, before all the stuff hit, yeah. like after, just after he finished the course. Uh, I mean, there was uh, Grace, who, when she took the class, she told me later, she almost dropped the class on the first day, <laughs> because her vision of school was to take tests, write papers, not, Go out in the world and do something. Yeah, and so it was September. She took the class. By November, she'd gotten a um, what I call a job offer. Uh, mm. She'd written a place with what she'd developed so far, and the place was like, "If you can do this, you know, we were thinking about doing something like that. If mm. you can do it, we be part of the team." So by Thanksgiving, she had met with them uh, after Christmas break, and I think it was January. She was interning with them. By springtime, the page was up of her project. Mm. Weeks later, it was oversubscribed. That summer, I knew some people in that field and I put in touch with someone who was like a, high, like a C-suite person at a, um, a publicly traded company where she was meeting, talking about her pro- the project she'd done at the mm-hmm. first place. And in the, middle of the, in the middle of the conversation, I'm just there watching because I was the intermediate and I think she mm-hmm. likes having, well, th- for this reason, the guy's asking her questions. Everything mm-hmm. she, every time she, I couldn't have coached her better. and I didn't coach her. He would ask a question. She would say, oh, yeah, we had that problem, and we, were trying, we tried this, or we thought about this, we thought about that, and this is what we did, and here's how it worked out. Never bragging, never showing anything off, just saying, we had that. We thought of that problem, we tried this, this is what happened. I was like, this is perfect. And at one point in the middle, he goes, he's like, and by the way, how old are you? <laughs> she goes, 19. He goes, oh, wow. oh, okay, and he just don't back into it. <laughs> and she also... Um, she spoke at Harvard on her project, mm. and you know, it's she didn't have an idea. Yeah. And in fact, if someone had said to her, "You could be an entrepreneur," she would have said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh that's not me." Mm. And it's not entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is a subset. She did happen to start a project, but actually, she was an intern at this place, mm. and she had, now she works at a, at another startup. It was a Richard Branson startup, and mm. I don't think her job interview was difficult. Yeah, and. But she loves it, you know. It's like she was doing something in an area. I mean, she really likes music, the business of music, mm. and these are all music-based things that she's doing. And it's there's nothing special about her. I mean, she's a special person. Don't get me wrong. Mm. But um, only in the sense that we're all special. Mm. There's nothing that gave her any special advantage. I mean, you could say NYU. That's an elite school. It's got a big name, but. I don't know if that really made a difference. I, I think the email that she sent them that, that it got the first seed of it going when they invited her to visit, I don't think that was, I don't think that, that it came from a di- NYU, NYU.edu address yeah. really made a difference. It was the quality of what she thought it through. Yeah. And it was just doing the exercises.
1: Well, it sounds fantastic. Um, and actually, uh, even though it's an area I know fairly well, uh, I'm, I'm interested in reading it as well. I recommend it as a gift for everyone you know. <laughs> yes, that's very wise, very wise <laughs> advice. Um, if, like people wanna, if people want to find out more about everything that you do, uh-huh. once, where's the best place to go? Is it to your website? Yeah,
0: joshuaspodick.com and in the upper right corner, there's, you can click for books, you can click for the podcast, uh, you can click for contact me, but, and then you, you, you'll drown in all the blog posts because that's another Sid shot, it's a post every day. Yeah, right. Does that take a lot of time or is that? It depends. I mean um there's some posts that i put a lot in myself into and Mm. they'll take several days to write and i have to write quick ones in the meantime for the other things yeah and there's some that like today i I have a file on my computer of like ideas Mm. when i first started writing the blog i thought i had like 50 posts in me tops Mm. again skills it's like you develop the skill of writing and thinking of ideas and yeah so I wrote one today that I was like oh this is a good post but I also thought this will this is one this will be quick to write so I'm gonna keep that on there for some time when I get home and it's late and I just want to go to sleep mm. and I can just get that one and I'll write it quick so there's lots of little things that make it work out yeah. but I like thinking of ideas my blog doesn't I don't have that many readers it's not mm. like um I don't know Tim Ferriss mm-hmm. but because I think I'd get, i I don't think I write very personally uh, enough of like stories about from the guy, mm. it's mostly observations, but
1: um, but Seth Godin says you know even if no one read his blog, he would be writing every day. So he oh famously yeah. blogs yeah. every day because of what it does for him.
0: Yeah, the discipline, the focus, yeah, yeah the skills. Yeah. Mm.
1: Okay, well that's fascinating. We should probably stop there. We, we go on for this? another yeah. day or two because that, there's so many interesting subjects to talk about. Uh, but thank you, Josh. I really appreciate that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ideas Lab podcast. Please do subscribe. And if you've enjoyed this episode, it would be great if you could leave us a review. You can get links and details of everything mentioned in the podcast in the show notes, along with photos and video clips from many of our episodes. Just go to theideaslab.org forward slash podcast.